Hello, this is Joshua Schmidt coming back to you with another episode of the Nerd Assassin Podcast. If you like these episodes, make sure to hit subscribe in your podcast feed. Lately, I've been looking into cryptocurrencies, blockchains, NFTs, which I knew very little about coming into it. So I decided to invest an hour each day researching and learning. In today's episode, I really looked into what does it mean when we say a blockchain? What's included in a block? How do you decide how the chain grows? So what I learned is blockchain is basically a chain of data blocks. For you software engineers out there, you can think of it like a linked list. This means that each block has a pointer to its parent. And then as you move back, you could go back to the original block and they're all linked together in this way and they'll one points to one relationship. But what's included in each one of these blocks? You have this long chain of blocks, but what does it mean to have a block? A block has two components to it, a header and a body. The block head, the header, in blockchain at least, has six components. In Bitcoin, these six components are the version number of the software. The second component is the hash of the previous block. This is what gives the connection between the blocks. So if I know, if I have some sort of pointer, in this case the hash, the name of the block that comes before me, then I can go back and see what was the previous, what was in the previous block, and so on and so forth until I get to the original block. Later on, I'll go a little bit into what does it mean to have a hash of something, because number three is also the root hash of the Merkle tree. Basically, what this means, these are all the transactions smushed together in one small string, one small, uh, one small list of characters. The fourth part of the blockhead is the timestamp. This is recorded in the number of seconds since 1970. You also, this one I think is specific to Bitcoin. You have the goal of the current difficulty, how small the new number has to be to claim to be valid. And we'll go in this a little bit deeper when I go into proof of work later on. And you have the knowns, which is the proof of work. The second component, so I said the block has a header and a body. In the body, you have all of the transactions listed out. When a miner constructs the block, it needs to validate each of these transactions. So we talked about this a little bit last week. The transaction is a, when we talked about state transition functions, we're talking about the transaction. Basically, what the miner needs to do is make sure if I say I'm about to send this number of bitcoins, I actually have them. So I said, there's this concept that's pretty fundamental to Bitcoin and making it all work, and it's called a Merkle tree. The Merkle tree was a mathematical discovery that showed that you can have a ton of information and represent it in a relatively short jumble of letters and numbers, a single hash. A root, the root hash that we talk about that's in the blockhead, this is a relatively small number of characters that represents all of the individual transactions. You can think of these as like the leaves of the tree. So you take each one of these leaves and you put them through a hash function so that they're all the same length. Then you take each of those hashes and you combine two of them and hash them together and you keep doing this until you have one final hash. So eventually they all collapse into one sort of like a pyramid. The important thing to know about this Merkle tree and this hashing is getting to that root hash, getting to one hash is quick and easy as long as you know what all of the leaves and branches are. 
basically if you know all the transactions that are need to be in this block i can quickly calculate the root hash of the merkle tree which is something that goes in the block header but if i only know that root hash it's impossible to guess all the transactions that's why the body of the blockchain of the block also has to have all the transactions so it's really easy to validate that all the transactions should be in the block but it's really hard to fake a transaction because if i added one transaction into the body then when they try to calculate the root hash it's going to be off it's going to give you a different number so we talked a lot about hashes which is something that's familiar to software engineers but i wanted to back up and talk a little bit about what a hash function is hash function takes in a large piece of data and spits out a unique fixed length string it's used often in cybersecurity because if the input data, if what you put into this function changes, it'll produce a completely different hash value. So that way you could tell if somebody corrupted a file with malware. So if I deliver you a picture in a digital format, and I also give you the hash of that, fixture, that picture, you can then run that same hash function on the picture to make sure I didn't include anything new when it got sent to you. Somebody didn't interrupt it and then add malware to hurt your computer. Because when your computer goes and calculates the hash, it'll be different than what the original hash I gave you. In the same way, blockchain, if somebody tries to add a transaction to the block that didn't actually happen, the root hash of the Merkle tree will be completely different. So people know that it's a fake transaction, a fake block so they can disregard it. So that's everything that goes into a block. Let me summarize what all goes in it. In the block head, you have stuff like some metadata, like the version number of the software and the timestamp. And the really important pieces is you have the root hash of the Merkle tree, so you can make sure that all the transactions are valid. And you have the hash of the previous block. This way, they're all chained together. And then in the body, you list all the transactions. But next, I was wondering, when does a block actually get added to the chain? So I talked about there's a bunch of fixed pieces of the header that are always the same, but the six, the nonce, is a variable. So what is a nonce and how do we get it? Basically, a miner takes a number, adds one to it, and then tries to find the hash. And then it checks if that hash value is below the goal that we also said was in, in the header. If not, the process just repeats itself. So they add one again, hash it, and they're trying to find basically a magic number. The important part to this is it's really hard to do. You have to repeat this process over and over again, which costs power, energy, time, money. And Bitcoin has adapts your goal so that you find one every 10 minutes. Why would a miner want to try to find one? It's because they get what's called a block reward, a fixed amount of Bitcoins for finding a nonce and adding the block. The original block reward was 50 Bitcoin, and then it halves around every four years. So that ev about every 10 minutes, a new block is added. A miner finds one of these magic numbers, validates all the transactions, and says, here's the next block. And then that gets added onto the chain. The last part of Bitcoin that you need to know is the unspent transaction output. You commonly see this written as UTXO. You can think of a UTXO as a lockbox that contains coins in it. 
They're locked up Bitcoins. You need a key to unlock them. When a transaction occurs, basically what that transaction looks like in the body is there's a bunch of old UTXOs. They're all consumed, and we create a bunch of new UTXOs. So this is sort of like spending cash. I need to buy 10, I have a $10 bill and I need to buy a $5 thing. So I go to the store, I need to spend $5. I give them my $10 bill and they don't just rip it in half and give me half and give the other person half. Instead, they split it into two $5 notes. The same thing works for UTXOs. When it's spent, I take this lockbox we open it up, and now there's two new lockboxes that are each have five Bitcoin in them. A UTXO set is a collection of all the UTXOs at any moment. It's constantly maintained by every node in the Bitcoin network. When a new block is created, the whole set is updated in every node. Every computer has a local storage of it. So yes, if I had a node, I have your UTXOs on my computer, but I can't open them because they're locked. You have the key for them. And then we, people usually don't see these UTXOs. They're sort of abstracted away. When you have a wallet and it shows you how much Bitcoin you own, what it's actually doing is it's going into the complete UTXO set, adding up the value of all the UTXOs that you own. Bitcoin uses this UTXO model Whereas Ethereum works more like digital payments, there's no like bills that need to be split up. Instead, they just look at your account balance. If any of this didn't make sense to you, please reach out to me on LinkedIn and Twitter, and we can go into a deeper conversation about it, clarify some things. Otherwise, I have all the sources will be linked in the show notes. Thanks, guys. Until next time, have a nice day.